0: Life is filled with challenges. From small to large, each day we are presented with a variety of choices. Will we trust God? Will we put our faith in Him? Or will we just simply get by, pushing ourselves to be better and stressing ourselves to try harder? The Bible challenges us to lay hold of the promises God has made to His children. Hebrews 11 paints a wonderful picture of men and women who triumphed by faith. They were ordinary people who believed God and pursued His promises, even though many didn't see them come to pass in their lifetime. Please join us each week as the writer of Hebrews teaches us to navigate this life by clinging to the promises of God while anticipating the return of Christ.
1: Father, we thank you for an opportunity again to be together. We thank you for an opportunity to sing about your love that never fails and that in that love that never fails that you never give up on us. And Father, we thank you that as we open our Bible this morning, we find people who in the midst of their journey with you would, would fall and falter. But yet by their faith and by your might and by your power, that you did not give up on them. And now today we can read and learn and see the wonders of who you are. So God, I pray that we would become like the, the, the Abel, that we would become like the Noah, the Moses, the Abraham, the Isaac, the David. Lord, give us great faith. And great trust in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to again say thank you for last Sunday. For you being here. For the people you brought. I want to say thank you to the entire worship team. From everybody in the tech booth. To the gyms. To the choir. To those that were doing everything that they could to make that day a good day. And it was a good day. I want to say yes. I want to say thank you to the baptismal team because they thought they were walking back there to baptize three people and wound up baptizing six people. And so, yes, God is very good to us. But, you know, it's, just, it's not just that 30 minutes that you see. There's hours of practice and dedicated volunteers and leaders, whether it's in choir, gyms, tech. doesn't matter. All of that time happens, and we don't need to ever stand up here or sit out there and take for granted what is being done so that we can have a meaningful worship experience. So again, thank you to each one of you. And uh, it is a privilege to work beside you. In this morning, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. you hold on. I put a piece of candy in my mouth just before I came up here. So I'm going to turn off my mic and have a crunch time. To go. All right. So here we go. Acts of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever felt like a charter member of the Walk by Faith Feel Like a Failure Club? I have. Walk by faith, feel like a failure. Like... Surely, there's more to it than this. Or surely, I could have done differently. Or surely, God, this is not all that you asked for from me. Or, God, wait a minute. We were going to do something amazing. And you've got me living in tents. As a stranger. In a land. You know what I'm talking about. That moment that you've sought God. you've, You've prayed to God. You've cried out to Him. And you believe that He spoke. And all you could see was your name in headlights. Chris followed God. You know what I'm talking about? You can put your name there. And then what you got was not even a sidewalk chalk. Yeah. Those moments happen. But can I tell you, you're, you're in you're good company? We could go through the scripture. And we could see the name of David, of Gideon, of Noah, and Sarah, and Job, and Jacob. Abel, Enoch, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Joshua. Different people. Different stories. Widely separated by time and by space and by call. But yet every one of them stepped out. Every one of them had a moment of challenge. Every one of them had a moment of failure. Every one of them had a moment where they had to say... No, I remember God called, and even if I cannot lay my hand on it at this moment, God is faithful, and I will trust Him. And can I encourage you this morning that God never gives up on you. If He put a call in your heart, He put a path to the call, and He wants you to follow Him. Yes, we will have 1 John 1, 9 moments where we have to confess our sin and turn away from Him. Not repentance unto, I'm sorry, But repentance unto salvation, repentance unto unto fellowship, obedience, surrender of our lives. And will there be equally loud voices calling out to you saying, Follow me. God doesn't know what he's talking about. Follow me. I'll make it better. God's given you a false statement. I'll say that all you have to do is read as far as the book of Genesis. And you'll find out that's a true statement. But yet, when God calls you, he is faithful. When God calls you, he does not give up on you. This morning, our attention is on Father Abraham. Did y'all ever sing the song, Father Abraham? You know, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. Here we go. Father Abraham. And many sons. Then you all go all the way down to Father Abraham. And then you get to turn around and then you get to sit down. That works good in a room but not well on a bus. But that's the only place I ever sang it. But Father Abraham. We know him as Abram. We know him as the man who lied and said that his sister or his wife was his sister. We know him as the man who got ahead of God's timing. We know a lot about him. But let's just go back and look at some of the brief facts about him. When we are introduced to him, his name is not Abraham. It's Abram. We meet him 4,000 years ago, and he lived in a city. He lived in a city called Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, to help you understand where he lived, he would have been a man of prominence, living in a city of prominence, And enjoying the finer things of life. If it was academic, it was happening in Ur. If it was social, it was happening in Ur. If it was arts, it was happening in Ur. If it was financial, it was happening in Ur. If it was worship, it was happening. Now it wasn't the worship of God. It was the God of the sun and his name was Sin. Interesting name for a false god. But that's what he was doing. And no doubt that's what he followed. But in the middle of him living this good life, because he didn't lack. He was a middle-aged man in an upper income bracket. In the middle of that moment, God stepped into his life and said, Abram, I want you to follow me. And I'm sure at some point in his mind, he was like, Okay, I'll follow you. Where are we going? But this God that he had never worshipped this God who he did not know who came and interrupted his good life and spoke to him and said I want you to leave all of this and go to another place only said follow me. In fact what he really said was follow me and I will take you to a land that I will show you at another place and another time. You only have one job today and that's to step out. But it's at that moment that God clearly, definitely, unmistakably speaks to him. And it's at that moment that not only changed his life, but changed the course of human history. Do you realize in this room this morning there could be an Abraham? Do you realize that in this room this morning there could be that person that God's speaking to? Oh, by the way, hey chief, stand up. Yeah. Y'all don't know this, but Miss Kim is now the... What, give me their exact title. She got promoted this week, and now she is Chief Lunsford, by the way. Yes, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Mr. D, you're going to get to be Mr. Mom for long. Mm-hmm, get new t-shirts. Yes, sir. Mr. D's is now Mr. Mom. I love it. That's good. But you know... God said, Kim, I'm going to take you to a land I'm going to show you. It may be you think that God wanted to give you a pay raise. You may think that God wanted to give you increased responsibility. But it absolutely may be the opportunity that we don't see that God is saying, I want you to step into a world you don't know to make a difference for me that you can't understand. And you say, well, God, if you'll show me, I'll do it. And God says, if you'll do it, I'll show you. Because that's exactly what he did with Abraham. Abraham wanted this journey and he accepted this journey. He had to walk away from family. He had to walk away from prominence. He had to walk away from finances. He had to walk away from his religion. And literally, when he walked out of the gate of the land of Ur, he was on his own. Save God. Now, on your own, save God is a great place to be. Because it is the place that is secure, it is the place of foundation, it is the place where God can take us and work. But it's not always a certain world. Hear me, I would love to tell you, yes to God means rosy path. Sometimes, yes to God means bumpy road. Yes to God means the valley. Yes to God means that we are have to go and rescue our nephew and he turns around and his wife turns into a pillar of salt it could mean a lot of things but it is very certain it is always rewarding and God never fails and God never gives up on you so Abraham today is going to teach us some things truth number one you can follow me in the outline living by faith means accepting God's call without knowing where it will lead Living by faith means accepting God's call without knowing where it will lead. Now, that word call there is a really good church word. What does it mean? Do what God said. Living by faith means doing what God said for you to do. What God's telling you to do. And you don't know where it will lead. Some of you today are at a crossroads in your life. God is speaking to you and you have this certain thing that you're comfortable with, and yet God is speaking to you and saying, follow me over here, and we have this wonderful phrase, Lord, I want to follow you, but, I want to follow you, but if I give this up, how do I know that that's going to be better? And he says, you've got to trust me. Now I'll tell you, there have been times in my life I got ahead of God. There have been times in my life when I made choices thinking, God, your way isn't the best way. And found out that God every single time is the answer. God every single time follows through. God every single time leads us. Abraham, by faith, obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He left the world-class city. And he went... To a place that he didn't know. Now would you think that many of Abraham's friends thought he was crazy? Of course. If one of you stood up this morning and said that God's telling me to do this. And it was something that didn't make sense. I bet you Haley would stand up and say girl you're crazy. But at the same time. That moment. That certainty of God. That peace that the scripture says passes understanding. In other words, it's beyond comprehension. That moment that you step out of what you know and where your faith has been to step into where God God says go and his certainty is, is a moment that is soothing to your life. It's a moment that provides clarity. Gail and I were pulling out of our driveway this week and there was our neighbor that we have not yet met because he's a new neighbor and there were missionaries from the Mormon church standing there and they were having a good and long and you could tell in-depth conversation. Here was a man who walked to his door he opened it He was met by individuals he did not know who were addressing a great need in his life, spiritual understanding. I applaud their zeal. I applaud their being available to the community. I do not applaud their theology. Because all they were doing was going to replace one fake jewel with another fake jewel. And God says that I am the real thing. Follow me, trust me, walk with me. And I will take you to a land that I will show you. That's Genesis 12.1, by the way. And when Abraham left earth, as I told you, he burned all of those bridges. You mean to say he gave it all up? Yes. Is that strange? Yes. But really, is it? Go back to the foundation of creation. The foundation of creation, of human creation, is that we were made. Our very purpose for being created was to know God, to have fellowship with God, to understand God, and to walk with God. So you cannot be any more Of what you were created to be. Then at that moment that you say yes. Lord I will follow you. Yes Lord I will follow you. Even when it doesn't make sense. You say well help me understand. Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were created to walk and be in fellowship with God. They said you can have this entire. God said you can have this entire garden. But there's one thing. And Satan came along and said the one thing. And they were like, well, shoot, if we can have all of that, surely we can have the one. And at the moment that they chose the one thing over the God thing, it's the minute that all of us became separated from God the Father through sin. They had to go clothe themselves and hide. You see, when you live your life apart from God's call, what God said do, You live the rest of your life running and hiding or seeking and searching or trying to find the next thing that gives you peace, the next drug, if you will, physically or literally or figuratively. What's going to give me that hope? What's going to give me that answers? But let me tell you this. When God calls you, there is no guarantee about tomorrow. Tomorrow. Abraham didn't know where he was going. Abraham didn't know what he was going to do when he got there. He didn't know how long it would take him. And he didn't even know for sure he would know where he was when he got there. All he knew was that God said, go. Everything else was up in the air. And I want to tell you, God gives you the ability this morning to function in the known. He gives you the ability... The freedom to function in what you know right now. And for some of you, functioning what you know is yes to the Lord. But for other, others of us, functioning in the known is absolutely outside the will of God. And the Bible's very honest with us. It says functioning outside of the will of God in what you know for a season can be satisfying. But it goes on to say that it's a path that leads to destruction. And what we do know, though, from Abraham's life, because we get to see the totality of it, is that him following God led to blessing not only for him, but for generations and generations and generations to come. You see, we live in a what's in it for me world. What's in it for me right now? God, I'll follow you, but what's in it for me? And sometimes, as in the life of Abraham, all that's in it for you is the assurance you obeyed the Lord, the peace of God in your life, the certainty of an eternity to come for you. You see, Abraham didn't live just for himself. In fact, Abraham, we're going to see, never even saw what God set him out on. When he got to the place that God was going to show him, he had to eke out an existence. He still had to live in a tent. There was nobody there to welcome him. There was no discount coupons at the local restaurant. Nobody cared that Abraham got there. In fact, they probably wish he'd never gotten there to begin with. But Abraham, because he obeyed God and he was willing to live for God and not for what was in it for him, has blessed every single person that came after him. The father of many nations. You, today, God may be calling on you. God may be speaking to you and say, this is what I want you to do and we've got that wonderful phrase in our mouth but God and God says will you trust me will you trust me that what i'm going to take out of your life that i will more than abundantly fill it with myself and it will be better than anything you've ever seen you see we do that in our decisions we do that in our relationships we do that with our finances we often do that in where we live. And God says, I've got a place I want to show you. I've got something. But listen to me. There won't, may not be a guarantee. Gail and I were once approached by a Christian ministry asking if we would consider a position in the organization we met with the people who were the head of it we liked them very much we were very impressed by what they were doing it would be international travel it would be excitement it would be stepping into the edges of things and 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 enjoying a lot of different benefits of life and excitement but at the end of the day when the conversations were done we had to turn to our friends and look at them and say This is not what God wants for us. He said, I want you to stay at Mount Zion. We didn't know what was going to be in the future. We didn't know that there would be a lawsuit coming up. We didn't know that there would be a financial downturn in our community. We didn't know that a lot of the people that had gone to church here for a long time wouldn't be here to help carry on what we were doing. We didn't know that we were going to have to file chapter 11, bankruptcy. But yet, in that moment that God said, He has also provided wonderfully. And you say, international travel versus chapter 11. Ugh. But you see, what we are doing may not be for us. It may be for the generations to come. And what you're doing today may not be for you. It may be for the generations that are ahead of us. It may be for the children that are being born. Who are going to need a place that they can go and there's truth that will be taught. That there's a God that loves them. That there's a Bible and there's a rock and there's a foundation that they can build their life on. Abraham had that moment. All of us have moments in life when we have to say yes to things because of responsibility and we trust God to lead us and to guide us and we trust God to provide us for us. I want to tell you something about Abraham. The scripture says that living by faith, accepting God's call without knowing where it will lead. God said, I'll take you to a land that I will show you. Abraham obeyed and went. But listen to this. Living by faith means obeying God and trusting the consequences to Him. By faith, obeying God and leaving the consequences to Him. That's truth number one. Truth number two, living by faith means waiting on God to keep His promises. Go back to verse 9, where it says to us in chapter 11. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise. Abraham had a home. He had a position. He had prominence. He had provision. And yet he left. He walked out of that gate and when he looked back that place was no longer home. Growing up, my dad... When I was growing up, my dad liked to buy houses. He was the original fixer-upper. He'd buy one until he got it finished, and then he would decide it was time to buy another one and go move. So we can ride around Dawson now, the city that I grew up in, and I can take you to five houses that I lived in until from the time I was 3 to 15. I can ride by all of those houses, and every one of them has a memory, but not one of them seems like home. In fact, since we've lived in them, multiple families have lived in them. They ride by them, and I'm sure that they have memories, but none of those places seem like home. Living by faith means waiting on God to keep His promises, because listen to me. In this life, you will never have full satisfaction. There will be moments in your life that you would wish that it was more. There will be moments in your life when you'll say, God, where are you? God promised to give him a land. And you say, well, I'm dissatisfied. I'm discontent. And that's when you take your eyes and you turn them on Jesus, who is the author of your faith. He's the finisher of your faith. He is the keeper of his promises. And he says, if you will follow me, I will take you to a place that will ultimately and fully satisfy you completely. We're marching to a land just like Abraham did. Yesterday, I have days in my life, I don't know if y'all have these, where you wake up and you're just not comfortable in your skin. You know what I'm talking about? You, if you're doing this, you feel like you ought to be doing that, and then if you go do that, you're sure that that's going to give you satisfaction, and you get over there and you start doing that, and you go, that's not what I wanted to do. So you run over here and you do something else, or finally you just give up and say, this day stinks. If we live by emotion, we're going to chase a lot of things that will either for a moment or not at all give us provision. And that's when the scripture tells us sometimes to be still and know that I am God. I am asking God to teach me that. I am asking God to help me to grow in that area of my life. God had promised Abraham a land. God had said, I will give it to you. But yet this passage tells us that even when he got there, he didn't get to see what he wanted. Was Abraham in the will of God? Yes. Why? Not because he enjoyed earthly success after he left Earth, but because where he stepped, it was where God said be. Now hear me on this. There will be things that God asks you to do that don't make sense. There will be things that God asks you to give that won't make sense. There will be relationships that God tells you to step into or step out of that don't make sense. But when you are in the center of God's will, in the middle of God's will, there is no better place whether you are rich or poor or prosperous or not. God says, I am enough and I will show you and I am intentionally taking you to a destination I'm sure, Ro, you didn't wake up one morning and say, Hey, God, if I could just go through a bout with cancer, that would be amazing. No. Nobody asked for that. But yet, God says that if you will trust me, I will walk with you, and I will deliver you, and I will give you. Actually, it says, I'll give you a testimony. Margaret, your dad passed away. 91 years old, 96 years old, he was an old dude. And it's fair to say that for many of those 96 years, he was absolutely closed to the gospel. In other words, just get out of my face with the gospel a week before he died. The nurse that looks after him looked after him shared the gospel with him, and he gave his heart to Christ. God was at work in his life. And I'm sure his family watched and thought, this makes no sense. Grandpa, your daddy, you're 96 years old, you're not going to have a lot of days, but God had a timetable. Okay, And I am grateful that Grandpa, Daddy, accepted Christ. But think of all the blessings in life and all the things he could have shared with family in those 96 years had he said yes to God on the front side. Now listen to me. God has a plan and God has blessing and you can run from it. And it doesn't mean that you won't have the opportunity at another point in your life to say yes to the Lord. But it does mean that you will miss blessings that cannot be recounted or come back to. you got a daughter and man, yes to God today means that you get to walk in front of her and say, baby, this is the way a man of God works this is the way a man of God walks this is what you need to look for when you start looking for the person to be your mate in life man, what a privilege you have because yes, you are here and you're worshiping not everything's certain but God says, I am Coach Eric, you've got all of these things. God has given you a ministry with Tri-County Hurricanes. And what a privilege to be able to say, I'm going to point you to Christ. If you want to know where to, how to walk with God, look at me. Chief. People, God has given you a position that you can be a job or it can be a ministry. And you say, well, God didn't call me to ministry. Oh, I'm going to beg to differ. If God called you to salvation, God called you to ministry. And whether it's behind the pharmacy counter, somebody's home remodeling it, in the probation office, or on the football field, or in going in and out of doctor's office visits, or whatever it is, God says, I have a place, I will show you. Waiting on God to keep His promise. You say, I don't see it. That's why you get up every day and you submit your life to Christ. You surrender to Him and you say, God, today I'm going to walk by faith and I'm going to trust you. Abraham had to wait on God's timetable. Abraham obeyed and waited. So truth number one, living by faith means accepting God's call without knowing where to leave. The Truth number two, living by faith means waiting on God to keep His promise. Truth number three, living by faith means living not just for the now. Not just for the now. In the now, in this world that we live in, I could sit here while I'm preaching to you, place an order on Amazon and have it at my doorstep in the morning by the time I get ready for it tomorrow afternoon. And that's what we want God to do. And God says, I'm not Amazon. I'm not here just to meet your need. I am here to create a purpose. And I have a reason for everything I do in your life. And sometimes I give it to you in the now. And sometimes I give it to you in a later time. And sometimes you may not ever see why I used you on this earth. But when you get to heaven, the things that are a mystery will be made known to you. And you'll say, oh, That's why you did that. Oh. And it is grace and mercy when he lets us see it on this side of heaven. But I've got some unfinished chapters that I can't wait to see how that story ends. Because the scripture says that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. How could Abraham do it? Living by faith means living, not just for the now. We never reach that full satisfaction in this life. There are things that will not be revealed to us until we get to heaven. Following God's will does not guarantee worldly success. Abraham could look past the circumstances of living in a tent, being a nomad. Without appreciation because he was looking forward. Look at the passage of scripture. Let's go back and read it. Verse 10. For he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. He was looking forward to something. He was looking forward to a city that was designed by God. I read the story of a baseball manager who had led his team to the World Series championship. It was a happy moment, the apex of his career. He had finally made it to a success. He went out the next morning expecting the headlines to to just blow him away and he leaned over and picked up his paper. He opened it up and he said, and this is all there is? See, the world is not going to satisfy. God satisfies. Jesus satisfies satisfies, look to him, Abraham looked to the city that was coming, whose builder and maker was God, Robert Browning said, ah, but a man's reach should exceed his grasp, or what's a heaven for, a man's reach should exceed his grasp, or what is a heaven for, God, why did you bless me this way today? God, why did you provide for this today? God, why did I have to walk down this past path today? God, I'm my grasp. I'm reaching beyond my grasp because my eyes are on heaven. My eyes are on a life that pleases you. My life, my eyes are on a life that is surrendered to you. I love that opening line of purpose driven life. It's not about you, it's all about God. It's all about being the person that surrendered to Him, submitted to Him, walking with Him. And Tim, some days we're not going to understand why God took us down a path He took us down. But if I will put my eyes on Him and not me, I can trust Him, I can walk with Him, and I can believe in Him. And He says, I got you. The best ability is a veil. You say, God, you're not working the way I want you to, Gordon But God says, I'm working the way that accomplishes my purpose And do you have the guts to trust me? Do you have the courage to be a man or a woman of God and walk down a path that I said that I will work all things together for your good? Or are you going to tuck tail and run? And I've been the one that had the tail tucked and I've been the one that walked with the shield before me and I can tell you right now, I would rather inch along with the shield before me than run with the speed of light with the tail tucked behind me. Do you hear me? God is looking for men and women of courage. Men and women who will stand. 90,000 Christians lost their lives last year because of faith. Do you think that they are worried about a little menial thing? Or are they saying, God, what do we got to do? God wants courage. God wants somebody to stand up and say, God, you can count on me. It says... That he was waiting for a city which has foundations. Don't you love that? Which has foundations. Do you feel like right now this world has foundations? Have you checked your stock market, your retirement account lately? It doesn't have foundations. Have you checked to see if we're all on the same page lately? It doesn't have foundations. But God says, I am the rock, because the storms are going to come, and you can build it on shifting sand, or you can build it on the rock, and when the storms come, that it will stand. And Abraham says, I don't see it, but you said it's there. So I am building my hope on nothing less than the blood of Jesus and his righteousness. You see, Abraham was a redeemed man, not because he looked back and saw Jesus. Abraham was a redeemed man because he looked forward and saw Jesus. What are you looking forward to today and say, God, I am here. God, I am available. God, I'm ready to be used by you. Nothing built by man lasts forever. No wonder Abraham was looking to a city that was built by God. Revelation 21 describes that city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God in verse 2. In his vision, John saw a city of breathtaking beauty, shining with the glory of God. He said, it's radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, as clear as crystal. Heaven is a city. And it's so easy when we begin to read this story about Abraham to say... That God was going to take him from Ur to X. And you name the city, whatever you want to call it. But that's not what it means. It means that he was on a journey that was going to last until he got to live in the new city that God was going to bring out of heaven. That he was not going to waver. He was going to follow. Following God does not guarantee worldly success. But when you have your heart set on heaven, you can leave the city of Earth. You can change career. You can leave friends far behind. You can live in a tent until the end of your life. You can start all over again in a brand new land. And you can die without seeing all that God has promised Not Abraham Lincoln. Although he said some great things, he didn't say this. Benjamin Franklin said, died at 25, buried at 75. Dead at 25, buried at 75. Have you died? I'm not talking about physically. You're here breathing today. But I'm talking about, have you died? Have you lost your dreams? Have you lost your hope? Have you lost your vision for serving God? Has God said, this is what I want you to do? And, and somewhere along the way between sin and choices and circumstances, you lost that vision. And God says, wake up, O oh man of God, woman of God. It's still there. It's churning in you and I want you to see it again. You see, it's just a choice away. Choose today who you'll serve. Prosperity theology says, if you'll just do this, God's going to give you something amazing. I read a quote on Facebook that was liked by several of my friends, minister friends. It said, guard your vision. Because somebody else is going to see how good it is and they're going to try to take it. The more I read that, the more irritated I got. Because if your vision is God's vision, you want to give that vision to everybody you can. Share the vision. Share the wealth. Share the service. Share the mercy. Share the love. Share the relationship. Share Jesus. Walk with Him. Following God does not guarantee worldly success. But I think the operative word there is worldly. Worldly. Because Joshua 1.8 reminds us that those who meditate on God's word will be prosperous and successful. Psalm 1 contrasts the, contrasts the fool who looks to the wicked for advice with the godly. Who builds his life on the word of God. And it says this. That the one who builds his life on God will be like a tree planted by streams of waters. It says in all that he does he prospers. Prosper because you pleased God. You prosper because you obeyed God. If we ever decide to make God's priority, God the priority of our life, God's will the priority of our life, you will discover that it's an incredible journey. So many times we say, God, make it an incredible journey, and I'll follow you. And God says, follow me, and I'll make it an incredible journey. Along the way, you discover that you can survive without certainty of what tomorrow will bring. Living on the edge of a worldly life is very uncertain living on the edge of a godly life is very secure. This morning, will you trust Him? Will you trust the process in his, He's taking you through? If you ever want to be over what God has to be under you, you've got to be under what God has placed over you. If you ever want to be over what God desires to put under you. You've got to willing to be under what God has placed over you. Spiritual principle. Can't change it. It's the truth. So this morning. Are you willing to come under the authority of God. So that you can be over those things that God desires to put under you. Are you willing to step out of Ur to the promised land?
0: Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more, to listen to messages and teaching from Pastor Chris, to contribute through online giving, please visit our website at mzbc.org. Thank you for supporting Mount Zion where you are welcome, wanted, and lead it.